We have lots of folks that are watching online today, maybe more than normal because of folks not able to get out because of pipes or whatever, but we are so glad that you are watching us and worshiping with us, more than watching, worshiping with us, because this, as Kirk said, this is a special day always to worship the Lord and to think about Him, and I pray this is not the only time you worship the Lord during the week, but that you are today. And this morning we're talking about the one. And when you see a phrase like the one, there are lots of things that can come to your mind, right? You know the one. Probably in 10, 15, 20 years from now, we'll be talking about the snowstorm and someone in, or the storm, the winter storm in Houston. And someone will say, which one? And you'll just say, you know the one. And we'll all know if somebody were to say, you know the flood, we all know the one. And so today we're talking about the one but maybe in a little different way than you have imagined. Now, if you've already looked at bulletin notes, you know where we're headed. And in Luke chapter 11, we have that famous account of the the story of Lazarus and Jesus raising Lazarus from the grave. Now, this may be a new new account for you today only because we have new folks all the time and, and you may not have read the Bible this far yet, but I hope today you see some things about Jesus that helps us. In John chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who had, perform- who had poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now Jesus is headed toward Jerusalem. Jesus knows he's going to die in Jerusalem. Bethany is its own town at the time, only a mile and a half from Jerusalem. That's really close, right? You can imagine how close a mile and a half is. What is that probably from here to the beltway? It's not very far at all. Unless you're walking and then you find out it's a long way away. And so in this little place near Jerusalem, surely Jesus thinking even about his own death, he gets word that in or in Bethany, he gets word, gets word that in Bethany is his friend Lazarus. I love the way the Bible puts this, the one is sick. The one you love. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were known as true disciples of Jesus who loved Jesus, believed in Jesus, followed Jesus, knew who Jesus was. And as I was preparing this lesson, I got to thinking about what would it be like if I were the sick one and someone said to Jesus, Jesus, the one you love is sick, and Jesus would know that the one was me. I mean, can you imagine that kind of feeling? It it kind of makes me emotional just to even think about that, to think about how he thinks about Lazarus and how faithful Lazarus is And this is similar to something else that happened back two chapters before, not on your screen. You can read it now. You can read it at home in John chapter 9 as it starts out that Jesus and his disciples, not Jesus and a bunch of pagans, but Jesus and disciples are walking along the way and they see a man born blind and the disciples say, hey, tell us, Jesus, why is this man born blind? Is he born blind because he sinned or because his parents sinned? And Jesus said, oh, you're misunderstanding all this. Jesus said it's so that, that God can be displayed in, in what's happening here in his life. But I want you to understand that sickness in and of itself doesn't occur for God to be glorified. 
God did not make you sick so that somehow everybody can come by and, and just glorify God. He didn't make you sick on purpose, so to speak. The weather, from what I understand, from my understanding of weather, God has set the elements in motion in it. And there were people throughout this storm that have lots of money and people who are really faithful to God. And there are people who are not faithful to God and don't have a penny and they all had pipes break. So it wasn't like, oh, this was some kind of curse just on one specific group of people. No, this pretty much got most people, right? Either electricity or water or gas or whatever it was, nuisance, whatever it was. So sickness doesn't occur just for God to be glorified, but it is certainly an occasion for it. When we go through difficult times, we think about God and pray to God and praise God in ways maybe we didn't before. How many people have gotten sick and have been down in the medical center and have called out to God and, and asked God for help or praised God for a good report that maybe weren't thinking about God or even acknowledging His presence before? So certainly, in the midst of chaos and in the midst of problems, it is a time to praise God, acknowledge God, and realize that God's been glorified in those things. And I actually want to stop right now and say a prayer for things that sometimes we don't realize that God works through. I want us to pray. Dear God, you are our God. Father, you are the one who created the universe and the, and the universes or whatever exists. You're the one who's the creator of all of it. And you are the one that sustains all of it. Father, you are the one that deserves all the praise. Father, thank you for electricity. Thank you for electricity in our houses. Thank you for the heater that we can hear in this room right now. Father, thank you for running water. This week is a reminder of how much we need you, Father. Father, may you be glorified in the way we use our lights. May you be glorified in the way we use our water. May you, Father, be glorified in all that we have. Thank you, Father, for a warm bed. Thank you for a fireplace. Thank you for a church family that comes and helps in the midst of despair. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. In the midst of of all of these things, we thank God for what God has done. You know, Barbara and I pray every night as we eat our dinner together. We pray and, and, and pray for, the, for things that you can imagine. We pray for our food. We thank God for this day. We, the same things you pray for. We pray, we thank God for our kids and for our son-in-law. And we pray that they remain faithful to God and, and all those things. But I cannot remember once before this week saying, thank you for electricity. Thank you for running water. All those things that just somehow were my right or that I've assumed. And now we thank God for those things. God works through those things. And these are occasions for God to be glorified. I want you to see the response of Jesus when he finds out that his good friend, the one he loves, is sick. In John chapter 11, starting out in verses 4 through 6, when he heard this, Jesus said, The sickness will not end in death. 
No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. This has to be one of the most confusing things I've ever heard when I see it out of context. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days. Because he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days, not with Lazarus, away from Lazarus. When I hear something like that, I think, what is Jesus thinking? Why would Jesus do that? And sometimes in my own life, whenever I pray, I'm praying for God to help, and and God says, I'm hearing your prayers, and I'm going to answer them in a couple of days, or a couple of years, or a couple of decades. And I'm thinking, what are you thinking? If I would have been there with Jesus, if I would have been Bartholomew standing next to Jesus, and and he's told that Lazarus is sick, and Jesus said, okay, well, we'll stay another couple of days right here and not go there. I would be saying, Jesus, what are you thinking? You're the one that can heal him. Why are you doing that? What are you thinking? And I would have been completely wrong. You see, it's easy for me to understand it when I know the story of Lazarus and it's just on a piece of paper in my Bible. But then whenever I start trying to live this, it's hard for me to understand. It's hard for me to get it whenever it's my, my child that's sick or if it's me that's sick or if we're having issues with our electricity or whatever it is. It's like, I don't get it. But Jesus says, it's okay. It's okay. You see, this sounds confusing because you wonder, why doesn't he hurry? Why isn't Jesus like saying, okay, we got to go? You remember whenever, the, whenever that guy Jairus, who's a synagogue ruler, comes to Jesus and their boat had just gotten over to the other side right there to the shore and Jairus is waiting for Jesus and he says, my daughter is about to die. And it says Jesus got up and went with him. That's what I would want him to do. Now, incidentally, even in that story, Jesus stops and heals a woman along the way. And so I would think, what are we doing? Jesus, why don't you go? Why, why don't you hurry? And then there's this other thing. Jesus says, this is not going to end in death. If you know the rest of the story, Lazarus dies. And I would be thinking, what? If I'm Mary and Martha, if, if or the messenger, or whoever that hears this, I'm thinking, what? Because as I'm sitting there, when Lazarus dies, or whenever the funeral is going on, I'm thinking, Jesus must have been wrong, because he said, it doesn't end in death, and I'm here mourning at the funeral. Now, you're, you're already, for those of you who are church folks who know this, you're already running ahead of me, and you're thinking about eternal life. Yes, I get that. But whenever you're the one sitting at the coffin of your loved one, you're wondering, Lord, are you real? Lord, why didn't you answer my prayer? Lord, how could this have happened? You know what I'm talking about, right? Because we have all been there in one way or another before. But in John 11, verses 20 through 27, we skip down some in the story. If you want to read it all, it's it's probably 45 or 50 verses long. Please do that, but right now we're, we're hitting chunks of it. It says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, finally, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. And Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whosoever, who, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now, there is so much to talk about. We could just hang out here for a few weeks, but we won't because you would not be with me. I understand how it is. But we have to understand there's several things happening. Resurrection isn't just an event. When we think of resurrection often, and, and with good reason, we think of Jesus being resurrected from the grave. We think about the last day when we will be raised from the grave to see Jesus, and we think about that. But understand, resurrection isn't just an event. Resurrection is a person. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Do you remember the other things he said? He said, I am the bread of life. I'm the water of life. I'm the light of, the, I'm the light of life. I'm the light of the world. I am all of these things. I am the resurrection. And now he is saying that through his death, even he is going to give life to us. You see, it's a person, and this is so important, this passage of Scripture, because you remember earlier when Jesus is in a place called Caesarea Philippi with his disciples, and he says, who do you say that I am? And you remember they said, oh, you're one of the prophets, or Jeremiah, or Elijah, or John the Baptist, or someone else. And he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ of God. You are the Son of God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon. You remember that passage. But what you may have forgotten was as soon as Simon gets it, because that was Jesus' mission for people, or part of his mission, for people to understand who he was, and then he would go and die for the world. As soon as they got it. And when Peter gets it, the Bible says that then Jesus turned his head toward Jerusalem to go toward Jerusalem where he would die as a sacrifice for the world that Kirk talked about in, his, in the Lord's Supper today. That Jesus, that Peter finally got it. Now what you see happening here is Martha also gets it. You have a man and you have a woman. You have both. Martha says, I know that you are the Christ. I get it. I see it. Maybe Lazarus and Mary knew it as well. But what we know is we have another person testifying to it. I want you to understand that Jesus wept. Heard that in the scripture reading today. And if you are, if you are a kid that grew or, or, or you grew up as a child in youth group and elementary classes, you probably memorized that verse, Jesus wept. Most of us did. We were so proud we could say it. I mean, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. So right, so it was a fun one to memorize. But when you're an adult and you start understanding what's going on here, it becomes a very meaningful verse. Jesus wept. He cried. And this passage, we get the word wept here, but what, it, what this word really is, and, and I don't mean this in any type of irreverent way to Jesus at all. I want you to understand what the word is there. It is saying that Jesus cried and like snorted as he cried. Do you know that feeling? When you are so distraught and you are so hurt, and you're <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That's this word. Jesus is so upset. You see, Jesus mourns over death. He is agitated by death. Jesus knows that he's going to die. He's agitated by the whole thing. And I have to wonder here, is he just sad about Lazarus? 
because he's about to raise him? Or is there something even bigger here that maybe Jesus is disappointed in all the rest of us? That we don't get it, that it's not about here and now. It is about, it is about resurrection, it is about eternal life. Maybe we're missing it and Jesus is really sad about us missing it. Because we do everything we can to keep this life going. Everything we can. Now don't misunderstand me. It's part of us. It's how God has made us to want to, to live and survive. That's part of it. But, but the average family in America, as of 2020, spends $13,000 a year on health insurance to continue. That's a lot of money. And I want health insurance, and I'm thankful I have it. We spend a lot of money. We do a lot of things to make sure that we stay alive. I mean, some of us have gone almost an entire year without seeing some of our relatives because we're afraid either we'll die or we'll have them die. And we're scared. We'll do everything we can to live. And I'm not saying all that's bad, but I want you to understand something. That's just this big, and the picture that God has is this big. You see, when God talks, he talks about about eternal life. But all I can see is that much because that's where I live. And he's telling me, the picture's so much bigger. I mean, we, sometimes we will give up relationships with people that we've known forever. We'll give up everything so that we can live here and we forget about all that. And it's so much bigger than what we think it is. But Jesus is agitated by death. Jesus doesn't like death. And that's one of the most incredible things about the resurrection of Jesus is that he defeated death so that we don't have to be so upset here because we know what's coming. In John 11, verses 39 through 45, we skip again in the story. And now here they are at the tomb of Lazarus. And Jesus says, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I, knew that you always, I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When, Jesus, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said, take the grave clothes off and let him go. And therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Wow, this is incredible. There's several little points to, to bring out here. One thing is you have four days that he's there. Probably by the time Jesus could have gotten there anyway, he would have been dead. But the four days, the Jews had this belief that, that it's not in the Bible, but they had this belief that maybe the Spirit hung around for three days trying to get back in the body to bring a person back to life. Well, this is four days. And so this proves this is a miracle that only God could do. And so, so they, they know that's not... The case that what, what Jesus just did is real and it's a miracle. And I love what's said here when she says, in the King James, I love what it says. Oh, but Lord, he stinketh. I like it that way, right? You can say this, women, you can say this about your husband, you can say it about your kids, socks, whatever. He stinketh, right? Death does stink, doesn't it? To lose a loved one stinks. 
have your pipes burst stinks. To lose your electricity stinks. To lose your job stinks. To put your money in some kind of stock that seems like it's going through the roof and then the, the basement falls out stinks. Life stinks sometimes. But you know who takes away the things that stink? Jesus. Jesus. Over this past week, I've said to Barbara three or four or five times, I just wish I could talk to my mother about the weather. There was nothing, my mother was the tornado queen, so there was nothing she liked more than talking about weather. And I just wish I could call and say, well, you know, this or that, or death stinks. But Jesus is the fragrance that we all need. He has the fragrance that brings us to life and brings us back to life. I like what happened at the end of that passage. The Jews that were standing there that had gone to mourn, now they believe in Jesus too. And it makes me think, oh, do you know what Jesus said earlier? These folks are glorifying God because they saw what Jesus did. Jesus was glorified by that event. It wasn't that he wants Lazarus to die, but wow, he was glorified by it. And good came from bad. Did you realize good can come from bad? Some of you this week feel good, even though you've had a rough week. One of our families that was at the early service afterwards, they caught me out in the foyer, and they said, and I said, how are you doing? I said, I've seen the pictures, and I saw that you had a group of folks come over from church and helped, and they didn't ask for that. People just went and helped. And the guy said the most interesting thing. They were baptized, this couple back probably 10 years ago or so. He said, you know what it feels like right now? I said, what? He said, it feels like, he said, we feel like we felt when we were baptized. He said, we're so on fire for God right now, and we just want to help people the way we've been helped. Well, good from bad. I mean, they've got, they need sheetrock, and and all the pipes aren't exactly back the right way yet, and they need water, all those things. And they say, we feel as good as we did as when we were baptized. Good comes from bad. And this is how we do it. Keep the focus spiritual. He said, well, how do you do that? How can I do that with busted pipes? How can, I mean, that's a physical thing. But when you're praising God that you've had water all these years and you're praising God that you're going to have water again, you keep it on God, right? Whenever, whenever things go wrong, you just keep to focus on God. We praise God for what we've had, and we praise God for, for what we're going to have. You know, there is nothing, well, there are a few things I like more than traveling. I love to travel. I love to go places. COVID has driven me crazy because I can't go places, and I've talked about this before. We were about to have this wonderful, blessed trip of I was going to speak in Greece and I was going to speak in Nazareth and and we were going to have time to go there I've never been to Israel Israel and all that was canceled it drives me crazy a part of me wanted to be really angry about it but instead I decided one day to thank God 
for all the places I've been. And hopefully, all the places I'll get to go. And if I don't, if I don't, I have been so incredibly blessed that I don't need anything else. If the next thing I see is heaven, I'm okay with that. And I pray you're okay with it. Good comes from bad, and we keep the focus spiritual even in the midst of issues. So here's a question. I say A because I want to bring it into another one. But what will I let Jesus do with this one issue? You know what I'm talking about? That one issue right now, your one issue might be your water, your one issue might be, might be your electricity, your one issue may be dealing with alcoholism, your one issue may be dealing with, with pornography, your one issue may be dealing with, with eating too much, your one is, you know what I'm talking about? If I just get over this one issue, what will I let Jesus do with my one issue? Well, I give him that one issue and say, Lord, I trust you and my faith is in you. That doesn't mean that we don't need counseling help or other help, maybe from a, from a, a, a doctor, an MD, or a psychologist, or whatever. That, that's all part of it. That's how God helps us. Well, I give my issues, that one or multiple issues, to God. Now, here's another thing I want you to understand today. We are the one. You remember how we started off this sermon, that one, the one? I'm the one. You know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. For God so loved David, the one. He gave his one and only son. For God so loved Wade, he gave his one and only son. For God so loved Tabitha, he gave his one and only son. For God so loved me. And so it may not be that my problems are fixed as fast as I think they ought to be fixed. But God's got it all under control. He is fully in control. And what I do is I have to say, Lord, I still believe. My faith is in you, Father. And I look forward to the day we're past this. And we can be together forever. Maybe you're ready to put your faith in him. And say, Lord, I believe. Be baptized into Jesus, have your sins washed away, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, receive the gift of a wonderful church family that's ready to help you when your pipes break, your electricity goes out, or your fence falls over. And maybe it's just for prayer. Folks pray, send, send their prayer request every week to elders at mcoc.org. Or for those of you who are here live, to come forward today. We'll pray for you. Not because we have special powers, but because our Lord removes sin. And our Lord hears when we need help. Come this morning as we stand and sing.